And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us on the line. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. What's the what's the chuckle for? <laughs> I Do I look it. weird? Is no. something strange about me? No, no, no. The the teacup. Um, I just thought it was so British. That is that's what it sounds like. No teacup. Yes, with the pinky finger up and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told the higher the pinky, the more fancy you are. Yeah, not everyone does it though. <laughs> but actually, I do it sometimes. It's not, I don't know, just instinctively. I think it's just, yeah. Habits? Habits, but uh, it's not just a British thing though, right? No. It's, a, it's a human thing. The pinky, for some reason, yeah. is, uh, is always, yeah. I wonder always if, has to stick out for some reason. If I wonder if that's a question unboxing waiting to happen. Because for me, I think it's more about balancing the teacup. No, I mean, too. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so now so, we're getting really technical. <laughs> yeah. So your first, your your index and uh, your yeah. thumb and your middle finger. Yes, exactly. Uh, the the grip on the handle is balanced by the sticking out of the pinky, and it's getting very scientific. And uh, yeah, our tangents are getting there is, more ridiculous. <laughs> I know, but there is. I think there's a there's a warranted kind of question there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's, Hmm. Food for thought this morning, folks. Any two cents, <laughs> let us know. All right, let's Gosh. jump into our keyword news portion because we always seem to run out of time. There is so much to cover this morning, as always. So let's get started. This is our first keyword of the day. National Assembly Speaker. All right, so rival parties have chosen Kim Jin-pyo of the Democratic Party to be the new National Assembly Speaker. This comes after a month of halted operations at Parliament, tug-of-war, back and forth. But the decision has been made. That's right. So Kim Jin-pyo is a five-term lawmaker, not to be confused with the, the singer and rapper of the 90s, uh, <laughs> and will lead uh, the second half of the 21st National Assembly until May 2024. Now, Kim Yong-ju of the DP and... Chong Jin-suk of the PPP were elected as vice speakers. Now, in Korea, it is customary for the party with a parliamentary majority, which is the Democratic Party, to take the speaker position. Now, uh, it was a, a kind of a long way coming for the uh, election of the national uh, speaker. Um, now, Kim Jin-pyo called on the parties to speed up negotiations and finalize the parliamentary committee formations, which is still in limbo. He stressed the need to stabilize people's livelihoods uh, amid rising economic woes, such as rising inflation and uh, whatnot. Mm -hmm. And this all came after the DP accepted a proposal from the PPP that it would co cooperate for the election of the speaker and vice speakers on condition that the DP promises to select parliamentary committee chiefs based on agreements between the two sides. Now, the PPP's floor leader, Kwon Sung Don, made the proposal just hours, actually, before the DP actually planned to unilaterally convene a plenary session yeah. to select the speaker on its own. Now, the impasse in committee formation talks has kind of left parliament idling for a month. Basically, you could see hallways kind of remain like uh, uh, empty and there were pretty much no lawmakers to be seen and there's been a lot of backlash from the public as well. Of course, they are the taxpayers paying these lawmakers wages and they're not doing their job. So, of course, the mm. public weren't very happy with that. Uh, and that's why uh, this led to kind of bills remaining untouched as well as cabinet member confirmation hearings as well being uh, drawn to a halt. Now, 
While forming a total of 18 committees, the fiercest debate is expected to be on the Judiciary Committee. So that's expected to take some time as well. Mm. That's because that committee basically functions as kind of like the upper house in Korea. There are no two separate houses in Korea's parliament, but it kind of serves as the equivalent of it because it kind of serves as the final kind of gateway or gate before bills are put up for a vote. So Mm. that is where... A lot of heated debate happens in terms of forming those committee members of the Judiciary Committee. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Parliament's still in limbo in terms of those committee formations, mm. but they've made some progress with selecting the National Assembly Speaker. Mm. So we'll just have to see if there are any concessions or compromises made between the rival parties. All right, and on to our second keyword of the day. Korea-Japan relations. So President Yoon Suk-yeol has met with Japanese business leaders and has asked them for their help in improving relations between the two nations. Uh, post, mm. uh, I suppose, the NATO summit, uh, right. small progress is being made to mend ties where it can be, I suppose. What's the latest? Yeah, there's certainly small uh, efforts, small steps uh, so far. There weren't, there wasn't any bilateral summit between uh, Yoon Sung Yeol and Fumio Kishida at the on the sidelines of the NATO summit, but they did cross paths yeah. a few times, uh, and they did have kind of cordial and uh, friendly exchanges uh, during those very brief encounters. And this is kind of, mm. kind of a follow up steps, if you will, not sure. not officially, but uh, to try and. Uh, better relations between the uh, two countries. And mm. this all comes after Yoon hosted delegations from the business uh, Japan Business Federation, also known as Kaidanrun. And um, the president called for joint efforts for a future-oriented bilateral relationship. He also said the two governments will have to work together to resolve pending issues between the two countries. Uh, now, during the meeting, both sides discussed ways to increase business and people-to-people exchanges between the two countries. Uh, they also talked about the results of an annual meeting between the Japanese, uh, Japan Business Federation and the Federation of Korean Industries, which mm. took place in Seoul earlier in the day, mm. yesterday. Now, the Federation's chief, Masakazu Tukura, called the two countries, quote, important neighbors that share a close and mutually beneficial relationship. Mm -hmm. And he also promised the Japanese business community's continued efforts to maintain and develop friendly relations. Um, Now, the delegation was visiting Seoul to attend the 29th Korea-Japan Business Council, which was held after nearly uh, a three-year hiatus, basically due to the pandemic. Um, Yoon also asked the Japanese business leaders to pay special attention to Busan's a bid to host the 2030 World Expo because he noted that it could lead to an opportunity to promote exchanges between the two countries. Mm. Now, meanwhile, during the FKI and Kaidanran meeting, both sides called for the leaders of the two countries to kind of hold a summit at an early date um, to address pending bilateral issues and help restore economic ties. Uh, After the meeting, they adopted a joint statement outlining their commitments to evaluating the relationship between the two countries Mm. and highlighting the need for the private business sector to actively engage in efforts um, to deepen uh, cooperation. Now, of course, yes, uh, Korea and Japan have a lot of political tensions, but their Mm. business cooperation and business relations haven't really been shaken up that much. It's Mm. usually because of these kind of historical and political issues that... uh, 
the, these ties have been frayed. So, of course, in terms mm-hmm. of the private sector and the business communities of both countries, they would like to see those political tensions being relieved as well. Sure. Uh, that all or nothing narrative, it doesn't necessarily work in the year 2022. I think our economic ties mm-hmm. with uh, countries where we don't see eye to eye in historical disputes, it must mm-hmm. go on, right? I mean, this is a balancing act. And, and so... It seems that's what the UN administration is focused on, a collaboration where it's necessary, and we'll set those disputes aside for the time being, just for strategic efforts. Uh, let's turn our attention to our North Korean issues. This is our third keyword of the day. Inter-Korean dialogue. Unification Minister Kwon Young-sae says the government will push for what he calls a new structure of inter-Korean dialogue. That's hard for me to process because inter-Korean dialogues have had two major rhetorics and it's been sort of a back and forth, back and forth, a more friendly approach and a more a tough one at that. What does this actually mean, the unification minister's words? Right. Well, uh, it's all kind of... Uh, presumptions at the moment, but uh, it is seen as kind of a bid for direct discussions on the denuclearization issue that had been kind of handled largely between Pyongyang and Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, The previous Moon Jae-in administration tried to avoid the issue of weaponry and uh, nuclear issues during the inter-Korean talks, talks between the two Koreas, uh, because it is a delicate subject and it may kind of threaten um, the inter-Korean talks and the inter-Korean relations as well, if that denuclearization issue is brought up. So of course, uh, the UN administration and the unification minister uh, is kind of hinting at um, a st- uh, kind of a step away from that kind of approach, say that what needs to be said is said, uh, but relations need to be improved as well at the same time. So, mm. of course, a slightly more hardline stance than the Moon Jae-in administration. Mm. Uh, now, Kwon was speaking at a ceremony marking the 50th anniversary Uh, of the signing of the July 4th South-North Joint Statement. And he also reaffirmed Seoul's commitment uh, to push for the development of inter-Korean relations on the basis of all existing agreements between the two sides. Now, he stressed that the North Korean nuclear issue should not be left out of the inter-Korean talks. And he added that South Korea will establish, yes, uh, as you mentioned, a new structure of talks that can effectively discuss denuclearization, uh, political and military trust building, as well as economic cooperation as well. So basically, he wants to put all these issues into one bag when Mm. these talks between the two Koreas do come up. Mm. Uh, And he said that Seoul is ready to talk with Pyongyang about all of these pending issues anywhere. Mm. Um, Now, his comments came after North Korean propaganda outlets accused the South of not fully abiding by the July 4th agreement. For example, propaganda outlet DPRK Today said that a vicious cycle of confrontation and tension has repeated itself on the Korean Peninsula. Um, the Chosan Shimbo, a pro-North Korean newspaper located in Japan, lashed out at the UN administration for being subservient to the US, and it also denounced Washington for its, quote, hostile policies um, towards Pyongyang. These are propaganda outlets. Right. Uh supportive of North Korea. They're not officially North Korean uh, state media, just to put Mm. that out there. I'll leave it there for now. Uh, North Korea was also quick to point out that the recent NATO summit was, well, it seemed to be a a stance against North Korea and other countries as well, including, but not limited to China. Um, The Asian NATO, it's being dubbed uh, the efforts to convene these countries are technically not members of NATO. However, Uh, This back and forth. We'll keep close tabs on it. Meanwhile, let's turn to our economy section. This is our fourth keyword of the day. 
5% inflation. So more gloomy outlooks for Korea's inflation rate. A global credit appraiser S&P Global Ratings predicted Korea's annual inflation to hit 5% this year due to higher energy and commodity prices. Yeah, there's simply no break in terms of inflation, is there? Just gloomy outlooks uh, left, right and centre, unfortunately. And this time it's from the S&P. And in its latest report, it said inflation in the Asia-Pacific region uh, has risen and that it has decided to raise the outlook for other major economies in the area, including Australia, India and uh, Indonesia. So it's not just isolated to Korea. Uh, now, uh, it, uh, for inflation uh, in the future, uh, Korea's, at the S&P forecast Korea's inflation at 2.4% for 2023. So it seems like there will be a little bit of a cool down in inflation. Uh, and it predicted 1.8% and 1.6% for the following two years after 2023, respectively. Uh, as for economic growth, the agency forecasts the nation to grow 2.6% this year. That's 0.1 percentage points up from its previous outlook in April. So not a much of uh, an improvement there. And it said that although Korea's export momentum has weakened, the impact on the economy has been offset by a gradual recovery of domestic demand from the pandemic. Mm. Uh, it said the Asia-Pacific region's expansion is expected to be smooth, with the exception of China, which is struggling due to a resurgence of COVID-19. Mm. Um, meanwhile, Japan's normal holdings, uh, research rather, excuse me, expected many major economies to enter recessions over the next 12 months, uh, amid tightening government policies and rising living costs. And it mm. said that for Korea, there's a risk of deeper than forecast recessions if interest rate hikes trigger housing busts mm -hmm. and Korea's uh, seen taking kind of the sharpest early hits uh, from recessions with a 2.2% contraction uh, in the third quarter of um, mm. this year. So overall, Korea and the world, uh, economically speaking, is mm -hmm. going through a very, very rough period. All right. And finally, on to our last keyword of the day. Ukraine recovery. So Ukraine has told an international conference that it will cost an estimated $750 billion to rebuild the war-shattered country. Yeah, so that is quite a sum, isn't it? And uh, these are comments made by Ukrainian Prime Minister Denis Shmigal, who was speaking at the opening of the Ukraine recovery conference in Switzerland. And he noted that the key source of recovery should be the confiscated assets of Russia and Russian oligarchs, basically saying that since Russia invaded, all the money to uh, pay for its uh, recovery should be from Russia. Mm. Uh, Smigel also said that there had been over $100 billion of direct damage to infrastructure from uh, Russia's invasion. He cited more than 1,200 educational uh, institutions, 200 hospitals and thousands of kilometers of gas pipelines, as well as uh, water and electricity networks and roads and railways as well being destroyed or damaged. Mm. Um, and not just the Prime Minister, uh, the President Volodymyr Zelensky also spoke via video message, stressing that reconstruction of Ukraine is not a local task of a single nation. He stressed it is a common task of the whole democratic world, basically uh, asking for help from the international community. Mm. Uh, and he added that the process of recovery being led by a Ukrainian National Recovery Council would allow his country to deepen its links with Europe. Of course, Ukraine is trying to right. join uh, the EU. Um, and uh, basically, uh, Ukraine wants this investment into its country to have that eventual EU membership as well and kind of steer away from the Soviet era uh, mm. kind of days. Yeah. 
Thank you very much, Adam, for getting us all caught up. Have a safe day, and we'll speak to you again tomorrow. You too. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.